so keen. Hey, well again, welcome church. Good to have you with us. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just um, say hello, welcome, good morning to someone that you may have not met before or may haven't seen for a while or just want to have a quick 30 second chat with. So you're welcome to stand and move if you want to get up and about. Go for it. Grab a seat. Sounds like you've got plenty of news, which is good. <laughs> I've got some news, actually, um, thought I'd like to share with you. So uh, it's my birthday this month and um, in a few weeks' time, and I'm clicking into a new decade, so it's quite a significant... Yes, yeah, so um, I'm, starting to, I'm starting, to get, starting to get prepared. And I'm starting to just sort of, you know, write up a bit of a wish list, getting some things. So I've actually, I've kind of splashed out and got myself an early birthday present. It's just out here. I'll just go and, just go and grab it. Right, just a um, couple, of, couple of crutches because, you know, what they say about getting old, um, it's not for the faint-hearted and... And, yeah, I, I just, I'm just trying to get prepared, you know, because there'll be a time when I'll have to hobble around like this, probably tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just finding that the crutches are quite helpful. I've been using them a little bit in the evenings after a long day. You know, yesterday at the Working Bee, I was on these by 4 p.m., you know, hobbling around. And um, when my legs get tired, it's just, just good to have a couple of crutches, you know. And... Maybe you've, um, maybe you've heard in your experience that Christianity has been criticised as a crutch. Uh, there's a lady called Madeleine O'Hare. She was the president of the American Atheists for about 25 years. And she said on one occasion that religion is a crutch and only cripples need crutches. And perhaps that you're aware of that attitude, it's certainly been echoed by other uh, atheists, but also by other critics of religion, particularly Christianity, that it is really only for the weak and for the feeble and for the flawed, and only um, people who need propping up should or believe in some sort of other power. And that's it's possibly because in our Western society, at least, there is a, a real valuing of, of anything that is strength or strong. You know, anything that is vulnerability or any sort of weakness that we show is, is supposed to be repressed, it's supposed to be hidden and ignored, um, because no one should really seem lame or limited. But I guess I've got to be honest with you that the reality is, I, I don't know everything about everything, and uh, there's certainly much that happens in this world that I do not understand. I don't know why it happens um, for a whole lot of reasons, and even more than that, there's seasons in my life where I just get tired, especially after working bee yesterday, but you know, just when your strength is sapped and you just feel really worn out, so I've found that having a faith to lean on is really helpful. To draw upon the strength and support that God has given me has been just a huge blessing. And actually, over the years, as I've trusted in God, He's kept me going when times are tough so that I can give strength to others when they are having 
tough times. And so I've kind of been sort of wrestling with this whole idea that Christianity is a crutch, and, and I don't actually think that's a criticism. There's been times when that has been a really accurate description of how Jesus has strengthened and supported me. And I wonder if, uh, if many of us from time to time need a crutch in our lives, certainly, possibly even at the moment. You know, maybe you need something, maybe you need someone to lean upon. And so the last two years have been, have been heavy, have been really, really messy. So there's this global pandemic, which has been overlaid on the, the regular daily changes and challenges which each of us face in our everyday lives. And so this morning, I very, very simply just want to invite you to lean on God. I want to introduce to you three people from the past who, uh, as we read their lives as recorded in the Bible, we're going to see how they leaned on God and hopefully discover what that's going to teach us for today. So, is that okay? All right. That was easy. Let's hook into it then. First person I want to uh, introduce you to this morning is a guy called Gideon. So he lived uh, around 1000 BC, about 3000 years ago, and his story is found in the biblical book of Judges, which is very helpful because Gideon was a judge for about 40 years of his life. But not in the judge that we sort of think of with, you know, sitting there with the black robe and the white wig and stuff. Gideon was uh, a military and a political and a judicial leader all rolled into one. And so, interestingly, he was not born into that ruling family. He was a farmer. He started out life as a farmer, but quite a reclusive farmer. So at the time that he lived, ancient is the Israelite people, they were being oppressed by their neighboring tribes. And so every time the Israelites would plant crops, the neighbors would ruthlessly swoop in, launch an attack into their territory and destroy all the crops and take their livestock. So this was pretty, pretty depressing, as you can imagine. In fact, the enemies were described as being like a horde of locusts. They just came in and stripped everything bare. And so then uh, God appears to Gideon, and he encourages Gideon to take on the enemies. And with God's power, he would give him the victory. I don't know if you know much about Gideon. He's not really convinced at that moment. He's actually quite pessimistic. This is, this is what we read in Judges chapter 6. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon is a bit of a downbuzz, by the way. I just thought I'd probably put that out there. And so this is what God says to him. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. So Gideon's still not convinced, so he asks for confirmation, he asks for a sign that God is indeed going to be with him, and then God graciously agrees, and he gives three miracles which prove that he will, have, he will give his power to strengthen Gideon, that God will be with him. So eventually Gideon's uh, convinced with this, so he sends out a call to arms, and he gathers an army of 32,000 fighting men, and God's like, Whoa, 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 that is way too many soldiers. So this is what happens. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight, your enemies, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. So 
Gideon sends 22,000 men home. Two-thirds of his army are gone, and he's left with 10,000 soldiers. And God goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's still too many. So God does another cull, and Gideon is left with 300 soldiers. That's less than 1% of his original army. Now, just to put this into perspective, the enemy army stood at 135,000 soldiers. So even if Gideon had his original army, it's still only going to be a quarter of the size of his enemies. And so lining up against 135,000 with only 300 men, I mean, the odds are just looking impossible. It's less like a battle and going to be more like a suicide mission. But then this happens. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. And so Gideon and his 300 men, they just completely rout the enemy army. God caused chaos in the enemy camp, uh, confusion, and in the midst of all that drama, the enemies ended up killing themselves. And so through the power of God, Gideon was able to secure peace for the Israelite people. Now, chances are this week you are not lining up against an army of 135,000. Unless I don't know you very well and you've got some sort of secret military background happening. But that's not to say that we don't face battles in our everyday lives. And sometimes the odds seem stacked against us. But what Gideon teaches us at God that God provides his power for every battle that we face. And if it feels like to you that the odds are overwhelming, remember that God offers you his strength and his support. Ancient prophet Isaiah put it like this, God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So the second person I want to introduce to you this morning is a guy called Moses. So he lived about 500 years before Gideon, quite a long time in ancient history. And, and Moses is arguably the greatest prophet of the ancient Israelite people. So his legacy is just huge in the last three and a half thousand years of Jewish history. So for example, Moses led God's people out of Egypt. But in the process, he performed miracles. He established a place of worship. He delivered God's law. He wrote the Torah, which is the first, the first five books of the Bible, which is was quite a lot of words. You know, He was a busy, busy guy. Puts a lot of us to shame when we're like, oh, so busy. Have you done that? But Moses could achieve so much because he had the presence of God with him. But Moses, just like Gideon, he actually took quite a bit of convincing. Moses had a checkered past. When he was young, he murdered an Egyptian citizen, and that made him a fugitive on the run from the law. So he escaped to the wilderness and tried to set himself up as, as a shepherd, leading a quiet life. But God had other plans, and God famously appeared as a burning bush, and he called Moses that Moses would lead the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt. Now, this is a pretty big responsibility. And Moses protests that he is not the right guy for the job. So God answers him and he says, I will be with you. 
And Moses thinks this is a good chance for a little bit of a debate. So he comes up with a whole bunch of other excuses, like he doesn't have the right skill set, or people won't listen to him, or he's really bad at public speaking. And God's like, he counters all those excuses, and he says, now go, I will be with you. And so that's essentially what happens. God reminds Moses that he is not alone, that God's going to be with him every step of the journey. And so Moses is able to stand up against the Egyptian king. He leads the Israelite people out of slavery and and towards the promised land. But even with all of that protection and that provision from God, Moses still needs a reminder of God's presence with him. There's this fascinating dialogue between the two. It's recorded in Exodus chapter 33. One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Now Moses knew God's presence with him. And in the uncertainties of our modern world and the challenges and the changes that we face in our everyday lives, I find God's presence comforting. Now, you might not be leading a whole nation of people like Moses did, but whatever you are doing and wherever you are going, God is with you. The the prophet Isaiah put it like this, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am with you. Am your God. But the, the, the final person I want to introduce to you this morning is, is a lady called Sarah. She was the wife of Abraham, who was a famous patriarch of the ancient Near East. She lived around 4,000 years ago. It's a pretty long time. And God gave Abraham, Sarah's husband, a promise. God said that Abraham would be the father of a great nation, that he would have countless descendants. The problem was that Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children together. And when God gave Abraham this promise, he was an old man, possibly around about 1999 uh, years of age. Sarah, his wife, she was pretty old too, maybe about 90. And it seems like they'd been trying to conceive for a very long time. But when you get to your 90s, it's probably time to call it quits. Nonogenarians are not known for having children. But God insists that it's going to happen. And he makes this promise to Sarah that she would give birth to a son. He says this, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah is skeptical. She is 90 years old. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me have a child, especially when my husband is also so old? But despite Sarah's unbelief, God fulfilled his promise. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. Now God's promise to Sarah is just one of thousands of promises recorded in the Bible. And I just want to zoom in on one book in the Bible 
the book of Psalms. And this is what I want to share with you, some promises from God as recorded in Psalms. The Lord says, I've seen violence done to the helpless, and I've heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them as they have longed for me to do. The Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will advise you and watch over you. The Lord says, I will increase the power of the godly. The Lord says, I will protect those who trust my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. Now, that is just a really short selection of some of the promises that God gives to his people. And you could find hundreds more this week. But perhaps the situations and circumstances that you are facing, you need to lean on one or maybe even more of God's promises, just like Sarah did, just like countless men and women have done who have trusted in God. You know, there's a, there's a really interesting footnote, I suppose, to the story of Gideon and Moses and Sarah. Because all three of them leaned on God in different ways at different times, for different needs. Gideon leaned on God for his power. Moses leaned on God for his presence. Sarah leaned on God for his promise. And through the grace and goodness of God, each of those people was able to fulfill the plans and purposes God had for their lives. And so centuries later, the writer of Hebrews holds up these three people as great examples of faith. He writes that Gideon's weakness was turned to strength, that Moses kept his eye on the one who was invisible, and that Sarah believed that God would keep his promise. All of them leaned on God. They, they trusted him. They put their faith in him uh, for the different needs that they had at different times. And perhaps you are, are listening to this today, and you're seeing that some of Gideon's story or some of Moses' story, or some of Sarah's story, is actually your story. Now, the details might be different, but the point is still the same. And I want to tell you, friends, that God will give you whatever you need. Whatever you are going through, He offers you His power, His presence, and His promises to be with us every day. So this morning, very simply, I'm going to invite you to take what you need. Maybe some of God's power, some of God's presence, or some of God's promises. At the back uh, table, there is um, verses which have a reminder of each of those for you. And so I'm going to invite you in a moment to take what you need. If you need some God's power, God's presence, or God's promises to lean on today. We're also going to do this in the midst of doing uh, sharing communion together. And there's one more P that I want to remind you about this morning. It is this, God's people, us. And the last few months have been particularly challenging, but I want to remind you this morning that what brings us together is far, far greater than our differences. Jesus is the one who holds us all together. He sacrificed his life on the cross so we could experience forgiveness for our sins. We can enjoy community with God and with each other. 
and particularly at this time of the year, if the season of Easter, that is a, a significant reminder for us. So I'm going to invite you to celebrate communion, to share communion together by, with God's people, to go to the table to take a little uh, bread and a little um, thing of juice, and to also lean on God's love for you, to so maybe take a verse which is a reminder of what you need. And uh, as we're sharing communion together, we're going to just play a, a little video clip in the background with some music and some lyrics which you're welcome to reflect upon. So when you're ready, feel free to share communion with God's people. God, thanks for bringing us together today. We just really value the opportunity to honor and worship you uh, together with your people. And we're grateful that in our times of need, you are there. You offer us your power, your presence, and your promises that you are with us. May we remember that this week as we look ahead to Easter, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we enjoy communion with you and with your people. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining with us um, here at ABC this morning. I hope it's been an encouraging and uplifting time for you. We're going to have a prayer team over here in the corner if you'd like to talk.